Why take one vacation with the family when you could take all of them? With Royal Caribbean, you don't just go to the beach. You visit a private island and race down the tallest water slide in North America. You don't just go for a road trip. You ATV and zip line through the jungle. You don't just go somewhere new. You rappel down waterfalls and discover ancient temples. Because this isn't just any vacation. This is all the vacations. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles. We win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on Chumbacasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere, and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Welcome into another episode of Steelers Afternoon Drive. I'm Zachary Smith. That is not Alan Saunders. For the first time in a couple weeks, we got Nick Faribault. But it's not even a Faribault Friday, and he's gracing us with his presence. Nick Faribault, what's going on? Yeah, what's going on, Smitty? I'm here, of course. Um, I was here, not with you, but I was here with Alan last Thursday. So oh, that's true. Yep. It, it was the Thursday. That was obviously the day of the Patriots game that Smitty was going in the color us Jalen Warren, I believe. So yeah, correct. sporting that didn't, didn't um, work out well, but it feels good to be back. Um, it does yeah. feel good to be back where, you know, gave me the green dot. I've been on the practice squad, um, coming out of retirement a little bit for a Thursday episode. Um, trying to be more like E-Rob than Michael Walker right now. There we go. There we go. If we can get E-Rob, I think everybody will be happy. Um, but yeah, I can I, I don't know why that slipped my mind about you and Alan being the one. We've had a lot of different combinations on this show. Like uh Alan's had to do one with Chris. I've had to do what obviously the ones with you. I had to do one with Derek. So there's been some different combinations on Series Afternoon Drive. Uh but we are a combo that people are used to and have seen on here before. And Nick, the last time it was you and I on here. December 1st, and at that point in time, that would have been a couple days before the Arizona Cardinals came into town. We would have been coming off of the game, beating the Cincinnati Bengals, thinking, okay, we got Arizona and New England on uh, a short week here. Really good opportunity for the Steelers to take advantage of two two-win teams uh, and put themselves in a really good spot to make the playoffs. Um, they dropped both those games. 
Nick, and you were on here telling people, hey, pump your brakes. You know, Arizona's offense can provide the Steelers defense some problems. They're an NFL team. They played a lot better since Kyler Murray came back into the fold, and they did just that. So now the Steelers at seven and six, I think this is going to be a big topic for not only us, but for this team going forward, have to treat every game as if it's a playoff game. And that seems to be a theme in the locker room this week. Yeah, it, it is a playoff game. I mean, really, whoever loses this game is going to have a really hard time climbing out of the hole. Just mm-hmm. too many seven and six teams. And if you lose this game, you lose a key tiebreaker. And I think that's a real big thing. You lose tiebreakers. The Steelers right now are in a really good spot because they have those tiebreakers. And it's not even necessarily that it's a great spot to be in because their schedule's really hard. The Steelers' schedule, we thought it might be easy towards the end of the year. It does not look yeah. easy at all anymore. These final four games are pretty tough. You have the Bengals surging with Jake Browning. Geno Smith and the Seahawks are always a tough out with that those receivers. And then the Ravens. I mean, that's a tough three after this. You win this one. Though, I think the Steelers have a pretty easy objective. They can win the next two games and lose to the Seahawks and the Ravens, but they would own all of those tiebreakers over the 9-8 and eight teams and get the 7th seed. Like, that, oh, wow. is, yeah. that is what could happen. And I, I think we are talking about an opportunity for the Steelers here where if they go 9-8 and eight and no other teams, you know, step up and we don't have two 10 and 7 teams outside of the Browns. I'm not counting the Browns there. I'm kind of just assuming the Browns are going to make the playoffs. Maybe they don't. I am too. Yeah. I mean, with their remaining schedule, I think they get 11. I think they get to 11. I think they get 10. I think they're just so injured right now. Um, they are. I mean, they lose three more guys. I don't know. They could lose one of those gimme games. But uh, I think if you kind of count them in, are there going to be two other teams going 10 and 7? I think the Bills pretty clearly have a path to getting in there. Um, not only do they have a path to get in there, actually, I think the Bills have a path to win the division at this point with Miami losing to the Titans. And then we have to talk about Miami in this fray as well. It's like, where are the two 10 and 7 teams coming from? So the AFC East, I think, is probably one where it comes from. And then you mm-hmm. got to get one more. Um, you know, do you see the Texans going 10 and 7 with all their injuries and their inconsistencies? If they beat the Colts, do the Colts go 10 and 7? Like, that's tough to me. You look at their schedule. I think the Broncos are the biggest threat to go 10 and 7. Like, look at the Broncos' schedule. For they hit the Lions on Saturday. They play Saturday as well, right after the yeah. Steelers. Really, not a hard schedule after that, though. It's the Patriots, the Chargers, and the Raiders. That could be. Mm-hmm a pretty easy three wins, even if they lose to the Lions. Um, So that is the scenario um, where the Steelers might have to win three straight games here or three out of their last four to get in. They go 10-7, and though, or 9-8. and They will own all those tiebreakers as long as they win their next two. So that's why this is a playoff game. So is the Bengals game next week. If they win both these games, man, I mean, they're in really good position um, to make the playoffs. I I think that's that's a – very key things. They they control their destiny, really. I mean, I don't think yeah, I they do. the Steelers to go 11-6 and six and win out, but mm-hmm. if the rest of the teams all won out and the Steelers would make it at 11-6, they would control all the tiebreakers. And so that's right. a cool spot for them to be in. They don't have the scoreboard watch right now because they actually control their destiny. Yeah. 
Yeah, I mean, the, the, the tiebreaker stuff's interesting because I really wasn't looking at that. I, I was viewing it as them needing to win three of their last four, but you're right. If they win these next two and there's only one nine and eight team that's in there, it would it would be them as long as these are the next two that they, they win the next two. Um, yeah, so interesting stuff to your points. Uh, still right now in a driver's seat for a playoff berth, um, but will that be able to keep up after Saturday? And Nick, uh, very good news, I would say, on the injury front. Uh, I guess we can talk about the one that maybe isn't first, and then we'll get into the positives here. Isaac Samalo not practicing all week with the shoulder thing, um, which he hurt and then played on a short week. Now, obviously, maybe you could say in hindsight uh, that shouldn't have happened. Maybe he wasn't 100% in that one, still able to give it a go, though, uh, and then doesn't practice all of this week and now listed as questionable for the game. What What is your thought there? I mean, if you don't practice all week, it's going to be – hard to imagine he suits up right or is this just the, the managing reps for a vet or how are you viewing this one he's one of those guys that can not practice all we can play i think you know okay. been at this for a long time we're you know a larry oak and joby situation where you know sure. larry didn't practice like all last year and still played on sundays um i think we could see that happen um i do isaac doesn't need the reps no one needs the reps with isaac you know, it's not like he's working with Broderick Jones like a James Daniels is, for example, where Broderick is still young and kind of needing all those reps. Mm-hmm. Samalo doesn't need him. Dan Moore doesn't need him. Mason Cole doesn't need him. I think Isaac Samalo could sit out and get that rest. And listen, he had a limited practice last week, but it was a walkthrough. I mean, they don't yeah. do anything in a walkthrough. They didn't practice all last week. So I, I, didn't, I don't think he played particularly well against the Patriots, and maybe some of that was the shoulder. I don't know. You know, how much of that was shoulder, how much of that was just poor performance in general from the whole team. But he didn't play mm-hmm. very well. Um, but I, I guess we'll see. I expect Isaac to actually play. But if he doesn't, I mean, I think Nate Herbig yeah. is is capable. Sure. Um, but I will say that is a, a worrisome matchup because DeForest Bucker is on the other side. And I think mm-hmm. that that is a concern um, when you have DeForest Buckner, Grover Stewart, um, and, and some of those guys, it's a pretty solid interior group for the, these Colts um, coming here. So uh, I think that, that that's a concern if Sam Allen doesn't play, even though I think Nate Herbig plays well. Yeah, I, I think I'd have less of a concern going from Sam Allen to Herbig in terms of the run blocking. But in pass protection, I'm curious as to what the drop off would be there against this Indianapolis front. Listen, I, I think it's tough to. I think it's tough because Isaac's been pretty inconsistent, actually, in some of these past pro reps. You know, he has he's he's had these reps where he's you know usually steady and good, but then there are mm-hmm. other reps that and it gets like floated around on X every single week. Like the two two reps he gets just absolutely crushed on, but he does get crushed on them. And and Herbig has kind of been up and down in that sphere this year. He was awesome against the Cardinals when he came in in relief of Isaac. Yeah. Um, but there have been other games where he, you know, hasn't been that great when Daniels went out and he struggled. So um, we'll kind of see where it is. But uh, Nate Herbig is a pretty solid backup. Like, yeah, probably start for a number of teams in this league, to be quite honest with you. Yeah, yeah, I agree. Um, and then on the positive side of the injury stuff, Deontay Johnson returning to practice today. Um you know, I think everybody could breathe a sigh of relief after seeing him miss yesterday. Although Alan and I talked about it, we didn't think it was much of anything. Like Alan saw him there, looked fine. Uh, but the Highsmith now 
uh, clearing the concussion protocol was listed as questionable, expected to play now. Uh, Bert Lawton put that out there shortly, actually, before we started recording here. Obviously, very good news having back-to-back days where we get T.J. Watt clearing concussion protocol. Now Alex Highsmith, they're going to have their two big horses on the edge, both being ready for this one. And that's big. And and the reason why that's big is we know how much this offense needs solid defensive performances and their mm-hmm. main turnover producers are all these edge rushers. And so Highsmith and, and Watt being out there are so huge, even though Marcus Golden and Nick Herbig are capable backups. You know, the matchup for these Colts tackles really doesn't favor them. Um, Braden Smith is out with a knee injury. They're starting right tackle. So you have Blake mm-hmm. Freeland, a rookie, out there against TJ Watt. And then you have Bernard Raymond against Alex Highsmith. And I like how Bernard Raymond's played this year, but Highsmith should be able to win some of those reps. So this could be a, a matchup where the Steelers really get at Gardner Minshew, and Minshew is a very turnover-capable player. Very, very turnover-capable. Now, he can cook, too. We kind of know um, where it is with what he can do. And he cooks, you know, they put up 30 points sometimes in these games, but there are other games when you see, like last week, they only put up 14, where he's a turnover machine, um, mm-hmm. doesn't have great pocket presence, so he can get strip sacked from behind. He throws interceptions when pressured. Um, th- this is an issue for Gardner Minshew. And so I look at this and say, man, this is a huge ad for them because the more pressure they can get in this game, the more they can force Gardner Minshew into tough areas and get him kind of off balance and really making those mistakes. And, and so – I think it is a huge, huge deal, obviously, just from a common sense standpoint, but even more just under kind of all of that. I think we're talking about a guy that's prone to turnovers under pressure. So I really think yeah. that is something, you know, you have to look at. Yeah, absolutely. Obviously massive to have not just one, but both those guys uh, when we it was very much up in the air if we'd have either one be able to go. Uh, in this contest. So yeah, I think it's massive I, I, there. I will say this. Um, yep. I don't know, you know, PFF grades aren't everybody's cup of tea, but the worst graded passer under pressure this year is Gardner Minshew. So that is something to look at. Certainly is. Yeah, he, Only three picks thrown, but 14 turnover worthy plays. That mm. is second most in the NFL under pressure. Yeah. And he's fumbled the ball quite a bit. He, I, I don't think he's lost necessarily a ton of them but he's fumbled he's put the ball on the ground if the Steelers are able to take uh advantage of that yeah I mean I think that there's like people we've obviously watched Mitch Trubisky give the football to the other team Gerder Mitch has been doing a lot of that on the other side so um yeah it'll be interesting to see how the the pressure can impact him uh Nick being that you won't be on here tomorrow I know that there's other stuff we want to talk about like bigger picture stuff but with this game specifically now that we are talking about Indy what's like one matchup that you're looking for in this one yeah um Listen, I think the big matchup to me is can the Steelers run the ball? I think that's the big thing. So, really, the Steelers O-line versus this Colts D-line. Um, yeah. You know, this is a Colts unit that has not defended the run well at all. Uh, they have been one of the worst run defenses in the NFL. They start out through the first six weeks as a top-10 run defense, though, and that's when they had Grover Stewart in the lineup. You know, it's, it's a massive difference um, with him in the lineup. He came back because he was suspended for doing PEDs for six games. So he came back last week, but they still got ran on. But before that game, it was a difference of 40 yards per game. I think they were allowing 133.3 yards per game without him in there. 
and they were only allowing like 95 with him in there. Um, they allowed over 100 though uh, last week, and so mm-hmm. maybe maybe he's rusty now and he doesn't make big, as big of an impact. But if they can run this football, they'll be able to control the time of possession. They'll be able to control the clock. Might get a few explosive plays here or there. Like they are going to be able to put up points if they can run the football on this team. It's really just going to be can they convert in the end zone? And I think obviously the red zone has been a really big issue for them all year. But yeah. like this is a game where that profiles as long as Mitch Trubisky doesn't lose his mind, which could happen. Um, it is a game that profiles to where they can get down the field, run the football, get a few points here or there. If the defense plays well, like they can keep them afloat on field goals, like that is something that they could do. If the defense doesn't allow touchdowns every drive, like that is something that could happen. We could have a field goal battle, but the Steelers should be able to move the football and put up yards. So I think that's the biggest matchup. This is a bad Colts run defense, and and that's the type of teams the Steelers have really feasted on this year. You look at good teams that they have beaten, right? Good teams that the Steelers have beat later in the year. You look at the Rams, who are six and seven, but are playing good ball. Same with the Packers, who have played good ball, beaten good teams. Like teams that you look back on and say, okay, they might have been a tougher matchup than we anticipated. It's been those run defenses that have really let those teams down. If you remember from LA in that second half, the Steelers just swept them down the field all second half, running the football, and it opened up the middle of the field. Um, and then you talk about what happened in Green Bay. That turned into a shootout, but the run game just absolutely dominated that. They allowed over 200 yards. And even the Bengals, um, the Steelers ran pretty well against the Bengals. Najee Harris had almost 100 yards in that game. So when you look back at these games they have won recently, the run game has been the focal point. So I think this could be a game where we see the run game really go off. And and So I I have been telling people this all week. Um, This is just a – I'm not going to be here either for prediction stuff. Um, I've been telling people all week, everyone's talking bad about the Steelers. Everyone's questioning the culture. The Steelers are banged up. The Colts, you know, are are kind of this team that looks like a better team right now, more organized, even if they're losing Jonathan Taylor. And, you know, we talked about Gardner Minshew and their run defense issues. Everyone's picking the Colts. Mike Tomlin's back against the wall. This is a classic, classic Mike Tomlin pull it out of his hat, mm-hmm. win game. On the road, standalone game, classic Mike Tomlin win. Um, I'm not sure if it's going to happen, but like if we're talking about classic wins that Mike Tomlin The has, formula's there. It is there, man. Like when yeah. everybody else thinks, oh, they're going to collapse, this guy somehow just pulls them back in. I don't know. We'll see. Yeah. Um, I think it's possible they win, though. Yeah. Um, a big part of this, a big part of this offense – George Pickens, and maybe opened up a little bit more than you would have expected him to uh, in talking today, saying, you know, it's hard to produce when you're running three-yard routes, five-yard routes. So, you know, first off, what is your take on that? I, I mean, if you look at his uh, his route tree, you know, his next-gen stats put it out after that Thursday night game, it was. It kind of looked like the uh, the Juju Smith-Schuster routes of 2020 and 2021 that he was out there doing. Um, but, yeah, yeah. Uh, very tough to produce, I guess, within the offense right now. I can't disagree with him. But what was your reaction to that um, and, and what George had to say about it? Well, I knew something was a little different when George called the press conference and we didn't go up to him. Um, that usually doesn't happen. 
which tells me George had some axe to grind or whatever, had mm-hmm. to clear up some things. I, I don't know yeah, exactly what it was. Um, but there was something here George wanted to say, and he opened up more. Um, and to me, the big thing that we got out of George today was, you know, he feels like he's misused. He's miscast. And that's where his frustrations come from. It's not because Mitch necessarily isn't always seeing him or Kenny isn't always seeing him. Yeah, that frustrates him. I'm sure it does. Frustrates every receiver when they're wide open. Um, Mm -hmm. But, you know, I even talked to him about the communication aspect of things. And, like, that has been a big emphasis, I think, this week has been George can't just go to the freaking sideline and say whatever he wants to say and just complain and yell at people. Like, I think that's what Mike Tomlin was saying on Monday when he he said that. Like, George can't just lash out at people. Like, you have to say what what's wrong. Like, you, no one can fix your problem for you. Um, and, yeah. and sometimes the quarterback doesn't see what, what George sees. Sometimes George sees what a corner or safety's doing, and Mitch might not pick up on it. So good offenses communicate with each other. And, you know, I, I've talked to a lot of guys this week, and I think that's been a big problem with George. It's been why haven't they been able to get him on track um, I think a big part of that has been he, the communication hasn't been there between him, Kenny, Mitch, whoever. Um, so there's got to be better open lines of communication to where George can say, I see this, here's what we need to do, you know, and, and get him there. And I think it's flashed through at times. Like I think the Cincinnati game, they had really good communication in that game. Um, and mm-hmm. that's where they hit him on the slot fade. He saw a certain look. Like I think that is su- stuff that they have done. But I think George has been – handling his frustrations in a non-productive way to the point where it has forced the team to just go away from him at times. And that sucks. And they've missed him on film a million times. Trust me, he's open a lot and they've overthrown him and they've underthrown him and they've done all this stuff, but he's got to communicate better. That's what he can do. He's playing well. Like you can see on tape, he's open, he's winning down the field. And, And so I think, there's two things to that I think the communication aspect. And then I think the second part he's just saying is I can't fix that part. Right. That's, that's something that's going to have to be fixed in the off season. Like he's not a guy that runs curls, comebacks, uh, all stop routes, like all of these little routes that go three, five yards. That's not his game. That's Deontay's game more than his game, mm-hmm. but they're making him run those routes. Cause everything in this offense is mirrored. It's all mirrored concepts. So the same side concept is on both sides. So, Deontay's running comeback. He's probably running a comeback. And, like, that's a big thing for him. He's not great at running those routes. Like, he is not a, a sudden stop mover guy that can cut right. those off. He's a guy that wins down the field. He can win all down the field. Look at his routes when he goes down the field. Posts, corners, post corners, um, digs, crossers. He's wide open down the football field because he runs those routes very well. That's where his route running prowess shows up, and he can separate. can also separate on slants, um, but these five three-yard stop routes, these screens, like it's not what he does well, so they're misusing it. And mm-hmm. so that's where I think his frustration is, is they're not using him right. And it's hard to use him right in this offense because it's a really bad pa- passing offense. And every, every time I think – Someone says he's open on a cross or he's open on a clear out route. Like he's not like you got to understand in a lot of these concepts, he's not in the progression. And like, until like the fourth three, like they want to hit the stop route. They want to hit the comeback. They yeah. want to hit the flat. Like they don't want to hit the crosser. Like that's mm-hmm. a big thing. And so that's where communication I think could, 
can help is if they're seeing certain looks, they can they can build in alerts to get it to George. Yeah. But the, the passing offense stinks, and they're still running Matt Canada's playbook, and we knew the passing mm-hmm. offense stunk. And so it, it is something that is not going to be fixed until the offseason completely, but there are ways, in my opinion, that they can fix this to get George more involved. Yeah. Absolutely. Nick, I want to get your take on something that we spent a lot of time talking about yesterday. Obviously, it's it's made its rounds over the past uh, week or so. You know, a lot of former players speaking out about the Steelers, you know, that they used to play for. And, you know, I think that they're entitled to their opinion. They obviously have credence. They've been in this locker room before. They know what it was like. Um, but the likes of Ryan Clark, Ben Roethlisberger, you know, even Trey Essex talking about the Steelers culture and the Steelers way. And I wanted to get your take on this. If you thought maybe the Steelers were losing a little bit of that, or if it's like a broken culture, what exactly is going on in the locker room as somebody that, you know, is around these guys as much as you've been. I'm sure there is some part of culture that isn't fully there. Minka doesn't make the statement he does without it. Um, But like, I don't think this is some broken culture problem. Um, Like, I don't think they are the Carolina Panthers, which have a broken locker room or, the Washington commanders who straight up admitted this week that they packed it in like halfway through the year. Like this is not what's going on. What is going on guys? You have to understand is it's a complete changing of the guard. There's none of that old head stuff anymore. outside of can really that's in there and the Steeler way that Ben's talking about Ryan Clark's talking about Trey Essex is talking about Merrill Hodge. Like who else? Uh, like anyone else that has called out anybody this week that is from those teams. Chris, you have to understand what the Steelers' way has done and how it's manifested itself. Ben even admitted during his last few years how different the culture was in the locker room and how different Mm -hmm. it was. Like The Steelers' way probably exists. It's just not what it was in 2010. Like I think that's a thing, right? It's a modernized version. It's a different version um, and, and you at you know, and everyone will say, well, they've been mediocre for a long time, but that doesn't necessarily mean it's a culture issue. They might have mm-hmm. been mediocre for a long time for a lot of different reasons. Some of that might be talent, some of that might be actual coaching. I don't ever kind of look at Mike Tomlin and say, you know, he has lost a locker room, he has been a culture failure. Uh, here I, I always feel like the reasons they don't produce are because his coaching staff sucks that's why they don't produce the coaching staff sucks like there's no culture issue here the coaching staff can't coach like that is why they suck I mean I that's a big part of it a lot of these players aren't good enough like that's a big part of it something it's, it's easier to blame the coach it's easier to blame the culture than to say that player sucks that is always one thing that I will tell everybody. It's easier for fans to admit that. It's easier for fans to do that than say, wow, that player is just not very good. Mm-hmm. Like, sorry to break it to you. There's a lot of players on this team that just aren't very good. And they got to they gotta fix that. Um, that's a draft thing. That's not on Omar. Um, he has not – he's done a great job in his first offseason. It, it looks great, right? The early returns in the draft class are good. Oh, man. A, yeah, a couple more good. like that, I think we're cooking. But, like, let's look at the roster at large. I mean, who outside of Pickens and Deontay in that receiving core actually does anything consistently? <laughs> 
Like, I think that's yeah. something. And then you get George, who is clearly disinterested in this offense, trying at half pace half the time. Deon- and they're blowing up on the sidelines because the offense stinks. Uh, I mean, you look at the offensive line. Guys, Dan Moore, all respect to the man, is not very good. Mason Cole is not very good. Like, at Isaac... Daniels and Broderick right now are, you know, mid-level best guys. Like, you can win with a James Daniels. You can win with an Isaac Samal. You can win with Broderick Jones. And Broderick's only going to get better because he's only very young. And mm-hmm. so he's got an ascension to go. But when we talk about, like, James Daniels and Isaac Samal, like, they're the fourth or third or best offensive lineman on really good units. Isaac Samal was the fifth best player on a Super Bowl-esque team. Like, we got to put that in perspective. That doesn't mean Isaac isn't good. He's a good player. He's not elite, though. Let's let's understand that. On the offensive side of the football, they don't have an, a lot of elite talent. I think that's something to look at. So they don't have the guys to pull them from the dregs. Um, and, and I think they have a lot of good talent. I think George Pickens and Deontay are very good talents. I think Najee and Jalen are very good talents. I think Muth gets way too much hate. Um, he's not a great blocker, but they use him wrong. He's not a blocker. He's a dang yeah. slot receiver. Um, so, like, that, that, like, we got guys like Merrill Hodge going out there calling these guys, you know, like literally two turtles humping. Like, that is what he's calling them. And, like, dude, yeah. like, we got, we got, you know, Chris Hoke going on the fan, going at Minka Fitzpatrick. Like, come on, guys. Like, let's not overthink this here. What do you think the issue actually is? It's that a lot of players around those guys aren't actually that good. The coaches that are coaching those guys aren't actually that good. And, yeah, there's probably some of a culture issue. I think they have taken these teams a little lightly and all that. But, like, culture is, like, the fourth biggest issue on the team. Like, there's talent that needs to be filled in. There's no ta- – like, E-Rob is, like, the only talented guy in the linebacker room right now. Again, that's no fault. They lost, like, their entire linebacking core. Like, yeah. that's – there's very little talent in that room right now. The secondary is the slowest secondary in football. I mean, it. I, I would bet that is the slowest secondary in football. You got the D-line carrying the, everybody on their backs the whole game. Like, I just – I just don't know why people can't look at this team and say what the actual issues are. Is there certain culture issues? Yes. Is it like more, you know, terminal? Everything's collapsing. Mike Tomlin's lost it. Like, no, it's not. Yeah, they have to fix some things. There's a, I think there's a bit of a leadership vacuum on offense. I would like to see that be fixed, but I think Najee Harris is Mm -hmm. a good leader. Um, I think they need a, a, a cam like player on offense to, to step up and, and be the dog that, you know, goes at people. I think Najee's more of a C kind of, you know, show by example, step up, let's fix this kind of guy. I think they need a guy that will get in your face uh, a yeah. little bit. So I think that's something, but you can add a guy like that. That's not that hard to find. You can find guys like that. I just think a bigger issue than a culture is lack of coaching, lack of talent. I think those are two big issues. Yeah, and uh, actually that kind of ties into the question that I wanted to bring up here from our guy Chris Nestrick, who's very loyal member of the audience here, always gives us great con- content and feedback on the content. Um, but he says, can BJ77 become 
uh, a get behind me leader on offense. Whoever they draft at center has to be one as well. Anyone else come to mind? Fryermuth, maybe. Najee Harris, supposed to be, just don't see it. Seems to really be an issue on the offensive side. Najee's the main leader, 100%. When you when I, uh, when I Mitch was asked the other day who the leaders on offense were, it was Matt, Mason Cole, Najee Harris, and Allen Robinson. Like, Najee is a good leader. Jeez, yeah. But all respect to Allen and Mason. And they are good vets that have had experience in this league. Allen Robinson especially, I think, is a wise a very good teacher, mm-hmm. but you need your best players to be your leaders. Yeah. You need, right. Well, that's what I was going to say is like, I appreciate what Allen does as a blocker and I appreciate what Mason does, you know, off the field, whether win or lose, he seems like a guy that's always going to be available for you guys in the media to talk to and kind of just takes everything head on. And I can appreciate, but like the, the play has to match that to some degree on the field as well. Yes. I don't, you know, defensively, we have a lot of leadership. Cam yeah. Hayward, Minka, um, E-Rob has been a fantastic addition. There is a leader mm-hmm. in every single room you can point to on the defense. Cam Hayward, TJ Watt, Minka Fitzpatrick, Patrick Peterson, uh, even young Peasy is stepping up into a role. Like, they have mm-hmm. leaders all on that staff. And Elandon Roberts has stepped into the linebacker room, and even when they have lost Cole Holcomb and Quan Alexander, like even when they had Quan and Cole, there was no doubt of who the leader of that room was. It was Elandon Roberts, like, and he earns that respect. He he goes out there on a bad groin, plays his butt off, and, and literally is is maybe one of the best players out there. Um, there's just not a lot of guys on the offense that you go up to with a standard of play that command respect in a locker room like that. Like, there's not a guy with that aura. Um, mm-hmm. You know, Deontay, I think, ha- could be that guy, but I think he's – I don't think he wants to be that. I, like, I don't think he's a natural type that, like, embraces yeah. the leader position. George doesn't embrace that. Um, so, like, the best player – Jalen Warren doesn't embrace that. Like, the best players that could embrace that don't. And so they need an alpha guy. Um, that probably should come from the offensive line, but like you even look at the O line, the good players they have, uh, Isaac Sayamalo and James Daniels are very quiet guys that they, you know, Isaac's a very, um, I think Isaac is a, is a good leader from comes from a winning culture, knows what it takes to win. When he speaks, you listen because you know, it means something. Um, I think yeah. he's a good type of that guy. That's not a natural leader for a team, right? That is not a guy that, like, for example, I, I I'm, obviously he's not this level player, but Troy was that type of way. Like, Troy Palomalu yeah. was never um, this, like, guy that gets up in front of the team and, you know, leads in this way, right? The heart of that defense was always guys like Joey Porter, James Harrison, James Ferrier. Those guys and Troy would back that up. And I think they kind of have a similar hierarchy on defense right now, you know, with Minka applying that role. That's kind of what Isaac is. Broderick, I think, has a chance to grow into that. Right now, he's a goofy young kid that is awesome and has a ton of personality and spunk to him and sets goals really high. I don't think he's a natural leader yet, but I think he can be molded into that. What they need is a veteran dog that can come in here, set people accordingly and sometimes that's the quarterback but they don't you know kenny right now is not that type of guy he's a young quarterback 
So I think they have a, a bit of a leadership hole on offense. And I think that's their biggest culture issue. Um, I think mm-hmm. it's kind of Najee pulling, pulling the sled here a little bit too much. I think Najee is a very good leader. I think people that think he is not are a little misguided, but I don't think he can do it all by himself. And again, he's not the type of guy to step up in front of a room and, you know, go at you like that. Um, And so, you know, back in the day, when you think of guys that could do that, like a Heinz Ward, um, you know, back in the killer bees era, you had three different guys you could, you could technically go to in that room. You know, A.B., even, you know, A.B., Lev Bell, and Ben were absolute leaders. I don't care kind of how their end in Pittsburgh ended up, and maybe you want to point to that as part of the reason they didn't win Super Bowls, but they were leaders, and you had clear guys to point to. I don't think they have that quite yet. Um, So, I don't know. I think Broderick has a chance to grow into that, but I think maybe, you know. Well, that's what I was going to say, like. Obviously, it's not like there yet, but do you think that it's possible that he does become that? Because you're talking about, I know you said George maybe doesn't, but with Broderick coming from that Georgia program and like winning so much, that kind of being instilled in him, does that always translate over? It doesn't. Uh, Sometimes, you know, these guys aren't necessarily guys that are natural leaders. He is like the spark plug, the mood board of the offense. Like, He's the guy that gets everybody laughing, everybody revved up, which has a role. Um, mm-hmm. So I think because he has that as a young player, he can grow into a leader. I think that's a good a good yeah. barometer for it. But, like, you know, there are other young players where you don't see that from. And so Broderick, I think, has potential to become that. Um, I look at, at Joey Porter Jr. as a guy that can do that too. Just carries vibes with him, hypes the guys up, you know, young guys that have a sense of maturity to them that carry gravitas already in a locker room have that. I think both those guys have that. So I think that they are potential leaders. I I was going to say, I think the leader, when we're talking about where that leader could come from, um, we're talking about, you know, a veteran center maybe coming in here, another vet Mm -hmm. receiver uh, coming in here or, or something like that that can be an elder statesman of sorts in the room, but not a guy like that doesn't, doesn't pull the weight, right? Someone that actually holds form and holds some legitimate to them. I think that's what they need in that room right now. I also just don't think the offensive coaching leadership gives them a lot to bite into either, right? If you don't have a great player leadership, sometimes that can be made up by great coaching leadership. And I don't think they really have that either. Yeah, no, that's a good point too. Um, good stuff, Nick. Uh, we Everybody in the comments, let us know anything that we talked about already on today's show or anything that you would like us to touch on tomorrow or in the near future. So hit us in the comments with any topics or questions. Nick, tell the people where they can find you. Yeah, you can find me at FB on X. Make sure to check out more of Steelers Not a Common. More stuff coming, of course, throughout the day. Uh, and make sure to subscribe to the Steelers Not YouTube channel. Yep. Like, subscribe, hit that notification bell so you guys don't miss an episode, any sights and sounds, pregame scout stuff with Matt and Derek, all that good stuff. Maybe Nick pops over there every once in a while as well. So you never know when you're going to see Nick on, on yep. the YouTube channel. So if you're like, subscribed, and hit that notification bell, you click on a video, Nick Faribault might pop up. Who knows? Or it might be me, Zachary Smith, PGH. You'd find me everywhere. For Nick Faribault and myself, thanks for jumping in and taking another ride with us on the Steelers Afternoon Drive.
Why take one vacation with the family when you could take all of them? With Royal Caribbean, you don't just go to the beach. You visit a private island and race down the tallest water slide in North America. You don't just go for a road trip. You ATV and zip line through the jungle. You don't just go somewhere new. You rappel down waterfalls and discover ancient temples. Because this isn't just any vacation. This is all the vacations. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.